We're your hosts, Dana and Kara, and this is From the Mouths of Babes. Welcome back, babes, to another episode of From the Mouths of Babes. We hope that you guys are enjoying the holiday season and we're excited to continue the conversation. So far in our episodes, we've discussed a lot about momming littles, but for some of you, you have transitioned to parenting adults and becoming empty nesters. So we are super excited to have our sister Mattia on the podcast who recently sent her last baby off to college this year. Welcome, Mattia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to be part of the the party. Well, we're going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. So I am the oldest girl of the Dodini family. We have one older brother, Aaron, and I'm I'm the second child. And um, Aaron, Rachel, and I are all very close in age. So the three oldest are Bing, Bang, and Boom, right? <laughs> we are, uh, Aaron and I are 18 months apart, and Rachel and I are 15 months apart. So we were all kind of a package deal, I think, because we were all so close in age. I'm I'm the I'm the old sister. <laughs> So let's see, Dana, when Dana was born, I was already in college. So I think I was a freshman in college when Dana was born. And um, our youngest brother, David, I was married when David was born. So, so there's a, you know, there's a significant age gap between the oldest and the youngest kids as, as would happen when you have 10 children in a family. Um, I have two kids. My oldest Ivy is 21 and my second is Mazzy. She is 18. I'm married to a fantastic man, Jared. He and I met in college and got married as tiny, tiny babies. And so we've been married for 25 <laughs> years now. And he I can't is an emergency it's been room doctor. Oh. I know, 25 years. I know, a quarter of a century. So long. We're so old. So he's an emergency room physician and works in a busy hospital in Chicago on the west side of Chicago. And he's super busy right now in the covid era so it's been uh it's been rocking times at our house with busy dad and ivy and mazzy are home right now uh byu after thanksgiving they sent they, they made everything online so my kids mm. and i are all sitting on zoom calls all day long you know each person has to be in a different room <laughs> to do their <laughs> zoom calls but i'm really happy to have them home it's been you know covid stinks but it's been really nice because i've had my kids home so that's awesome yeah so that's me Awesome. That's great. We sure love you. We sure love your family. And we're excited to talk more about this new stage of life that you're in. As we've mentioned, Mattia is an empty nester. Her kids are home from college uh, for the holidays. But when they aren't home, and as you've embarked on this new journey of motherhood and a new identity, how are you creating a new identity for yourself? Well, okay, so it, it's been a really interesting transition. So after I dropped, we dropped Ivy and Mazzy off at college at the same time, for the first two weeks, I pretty much cried the entire time. <laughs> I had a lot of issues around grocery stores. I don't know why that was a thing, but apparently it's not unique because I've talked to a bunch of moms. It's kind of funny when you have kids, often the parents around you of your kids have kids the same ages, you know, that just happens. So a lot of Ivy's friends, parents also had kids Mazzy's age. And so we're, we're doing this kind of transition at the same time. So I've been talking to all parents 
who um, are in the same boat as me. They've just sent their kids off, their you know, their youngest kid off to college too. And I was telling them, you know, every time I walk in the grocery store, I start sobbing, and I don't know why. And they're like, me too. I'm doing it too. And it has something to do with like you, you you're not buying as much food, you're not making food for as many people, and you, I don't know, like I. <laughs> Like, I just couldn't figure out how to do it. So spent a few days at Trader Joe's crying, um, also having, like, just, like, a little bit of a panic attack. Like, like I just, like, my breathing would get a little bit <laughs> slow and faster. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, i got to leave the grocery store. i got to leave the grocery store. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. But I got over it. I've been fine. I haven't cried in a grocery store in, like, a solid two and a half months. So I'm doing great. We're so proud of um, you. I'm so proud of myself. I'm I'm shopping a normal. I'm buying normal amounts of food again. So like everything's everything's fine. It's, it's, so it's good. all good. Yeah, but it was really interesting because I anticipated that I was going to have this transition, right? So like three years ago, I started sort of staring down the barrel of that gun, thinking, "Oh my gosh, my life is going to change dramatically here. My kids are leaving the house," and I was trying to figure out who I was going to be. Like my identity was going to change dramatically. And so even though I had anticipated, I kept thinking, okay, maybe I'm going to go back to school. Maybe I'm going to do this. Maybe I'm going to do that. I got to figure out what I want to do. Despite all of those sort of preparations that I'd gone through, sort of a mental and emotional preparations, when it came down to it, <laughs> it didn't help very much because my kids still weren't there, you know? So the house felt so empty and the other thing is you don't realize that your social life largely revolves around your children's activities. So, like, right. you know, Jared and I spent most of our lives going to soccer games and volleyball games. Like, that was our thing. You know, like, during soccer season, which my, my, both of my girls played year-round soccer, we went to soccer games three times a week. You know, every weekend was a soccer game. And so all of our social sort of things revolved around kids' activities and then just, you know, kids there like, hey, mom, I need this homework, or I need this, or I need that, or whatever. Like, just almost everything you do revolves around that. Now, I should probably mention that I've worked almost full-time for most of my kids' lives. Uh, when Jared went back to school, we'd, we'd been married for a while, um, and both Ivy and Mazzy were born before he decided he wanted to go back to school. So he graduated from medical school a little over 10 years ago and then did residency. So I wor started working when he went back to school. And um, I had the incredible luck to be able to work from home. So I I've always been, even though I've been working full-time, I was I always identified as a full-time mom, though, too, because because I could be at home, you know. So I, I didn't miss stuff because I was there at home with my kids, even though I was working. So it made a very busy and hectic life, but um, but it worked. It worked really, really well for, for us and our family. But it's funny because you think, you know, you know, you're not, you don't primarily identify yourself as a mom when you're working full time. And yet I did. Right. So, so because mm -hmm. so much of my life revolved around them. So it didn't, it didn't matter that I had these other things going on. My identity was still wrapped around who I was as a mother. So I spent, you know, a while trying to figure out who I was going to be after, you know, post like full-time momming. And then I realized I am who I am. And it has nothing to do with how I'm filling my day in reality. We fill our days, right? And we find meaning and joy in our relationships with the people around us and in the work we're doing. And it doesn't matter what we're doing. Um, 
so what was this sort of minor panic three years ago? It wasn't even panic three years ago, but just sort of trying to figure out what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to fill my, fill my time? Um, as the weeks and months have gone on after my kids left the house, I realized nothing's changed in reality. Yeah, I don't go to as many soccer games, but I still feel, fill my life with the work I'm doing, which I really enjoy. Um, I, I work as a, a biller for a dermatologist. Um, I do that part-time, and then um, I'm also doing tutoring. I do ACT and math tutoring, um, and I do that primarily online, and it's been really gratifying. I enjoy the work that I'm doing, and I'm okay, right? The other thing is that despite the fact that my kids are not in my house, I still talk to them constantly. Uh, you know, when I went <laughs> to college, you know, long distance, you know, you, it was expensive. And now, you know, my kids, I talk to my kids five million times a day. Either I text them or I call them or, you know, whatever. And they have their own lives and their own stuff going on. Um, also, you may think that at some point in your life, you're going to stop having to do homework with your kids. And I'm just here to tell you that's never going to happen. <laughs> so I, I think in the last week, I've edited like five papers. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't, I was going to say yeah. something, I've mentioned it, but Mattia is one of our, our most brilliant sisters. Like she's a really good tutor and really good at math and really good at editing. She took our nephew from like <laughs> failing his junior year or sophomore year. And she took him to having straight A's at the end of like, you know, COVID quarantine semester. So she's like a really big deal just to throw that in there. <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm not sure how true it is. Well, I think it's really important, as Mattia mentioned, for any other women and moms who might be experiencing this. To your point, Mattia, I think realizing that I really like what you said of like, I am who I am and my life isn't going to drastically change. And you're still continuing to do the things that matter most, which is engaging and being there for your children. It's really interesting because I had this realization today. I was reading The Three Little Pigs to Sawyer, and I, I picked this book up at, like, the dollar store, but who knew it could have such precious gems of wisdom. But it was talking about how the mother pig, when she was sending her three little pigs off, she reminded them to look out for the big bad wolf. And I thought that was really interesting because as a parent, you just hope that what you've instilled and taught your children will stick, stick. as they go yeah. off and, and become adults. But your influence doesn't change. It doesn't go away. And it was interesting because I was reminded of our conversation that we had with our dad in last week's episode where he talked about when our kids go to college, we hope that they're prepared to have an autonomous life, but that if we've done it right, our kids will want to reach back and connect with us and consult with us. And so I'm wondering, Mattia, if you've found that your kids have done that. Yeah. And I would say that a lot of this has to do with personality too. Some kids need the experience of going out and being on their own and being more autonomous. And then some kids just naturally reach back, right? Like everybody has sort of different experiences with their parents and they kind of have different emotional needs too. Sure. Um, so I would say my kids are, are different in that respect that 
that Ivy is somebody who really cultivates those kinds of relationships. Like that's just her personality. You know, she, Mm -hmm. she calls her grandparents. She calls her parents a lot. She like, that's, that's a really important thing for her. And it's just part of her DNA, I guess. And, um, you know, Mazzy's going off to college for the first time and she's out having that freshman experience. And she, which actually I want to say Ivy did the exact same thing. So, you know, they have to sort of establish their autonomy first, but they're, they're just in sort of different places. And, and Mazzy just has a different personality though, as well. You know, she's less likely to seek lots of help or input. Um, She's, she's really autonomous. She just, she just is and always has been. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I, I, I would say that that's true that, um, that, you know, your kids need to go out and establish themselves, but then, you know, they come back. Also, my children are delightful, um, first of all. So, I, you know, I love turning around them. I love that they are, they're hilarious. They get that from their dad. It's been a pleasure to be their mom their entire lives. You think, you know, when your kids are little that they're so cute and, like, you just want to package them and keep them at that state because they're just so cute and so adorable. But what you don't realize is that in every age, there's something awesome about them. And once they're teenagers, they're hilarious <laughs> and they're fun to be around and their friends are funny and they're fun to be around. Right. So it, it actually just gets better in every age. And then when they're young adults, you you really get to have a ton of fun with them. You know, you can actually tell the dirty jokes in front of them now. <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay, probably some people don't tell dirty jokes, so I don't know. But um, but yeah, they're super duper fun, and they're they're super hilarious. So it's it's always been fun, and um, I love that my girls love each other. They are best of friends. They live two blocks away from each other at BYU, and you know Ivy and Mazzy are at each other's houses all the time. I love that they are so close and that they. Um, get along so well. And I think that's also one of the sort of benefits of having a small little family. It's just, you know, Jared and I and the two girls that we get to spend a lot of time together really enjoying one another's company, um, just the four of us. And um, we really enjoy being around one another. Speaking of Jared, how has your marriage changed as a result of you both becoming empty nesters? You know, it's funny because Again, for those first couple of weeks, we sort of stared at each other and we're like, okay, what are we going to do now? You know, like, yeah, how are we supposed to fill this, like, you know, time? But the reality is, again, nothing really changed. You know, we've always enjoyed being around one another. We have a fantastic friendship. Um, and I, you know, love him more than I have ever loved him. So we just get to spend more time together, right? It's just the two of us and we get to go on adventures. And unfortunately, COVID has like limited the number of adventures that we can go on, but we like being together. We enjoy doing stuff together and talking and, um, you know, watching TV and, you know, he is awesome at finding great Netflix shows to watch and awesome at finding new music to listen to. And, um, he's our events coordinator and uh, entertainment person in charge cruise of entertainment. Ship. And he, he, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the cruise ship coordinator. So I don't know. I mean, it has changed, but I don't know that it's changed that much, you know, and, and I think the changes have been largely positive. So that's good. I was just going to say, is there something new that you've, a, an experience that you basically like did never have the time for or 
you know, something you always wanted to do that you're finally doing together that you just kind of put on the back burner? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, <laughs> we've always done a ton of stuff together. Um, I, yeah. I would say that there are things that we would like to do. You know, we would like to travel more. This is the other thing yeah. is that when you have kids, you're either subject to sort of, sort of school schedule. And once your right. kids are out of the house, like you can go, you can go to Europe when it's cheap to go to Europe or, you know, whatever. So I think we would like to do some more traveling. That's going to have to wait until after COVID. Um, so we have some stuff that we'd like to do. I think someday we'd like to go. He can work as a locum tenens doctor, which means that you are, are basically a temporary physician, but they have like international postings. You can go work in New Zealand for a year or 18 months or something like that. So someday we would like to do that. He really loves his job right now. So I think he's going to be in his job for a while. There, there are some fun things like that that we would like to do eventually. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I have one more thing to interject. Yeah, I I have this memory. I don't know how old I was. I I don't. I think I must have still been in high school. But I remember you talking with you and Jared at your house one time, and basically both of you saying that your marriage was the priority. His priority was you, and your priority was was him, and through taking care of and nurturing your marriage relationship and having that be the priority and that being the healthy, st stable thing in your home, then the girls were taken care of. That just totally stuck with me since high school, that like your relationship and nurturing that and staying best friends and setting important uh, quality time to for each other kept your whole family healthy and safe. That you know, I just love that. I remember that. Yeah, that, I think that really has been our, our priority throughout our lives. And, you know, I would say that that's been the guiding principle, but we've gone through some difficult times where that that has been more difficult to do. So residency was a bear. Um, it, you know, it was, it was three years of residency and then a year of fellowship, and it's a brutal schedule. And we, uh, we had some really difficult things happen during that time period. Jared's brother died. Um, unexpectedly um, in his sleep when he was 35 years old and that was brutal and at the same day that his brother died his mom was diagnosed with cancer and she died a couple years later so we lost we lost yeah. his brother and his mom um, in a really short period of time and he was in residency working crazy hours during that time period and then to add insult to injury i was also the relief society president during that time period so those of you who are not of our faith um the relief society president is um the woman in charge of running the women's organization at church and so it's a it's a volunteer position and it is super duper time consuming so i was working full-time um, I had two kids, one in elementary school and one in junior high. Uh, my husband was working 80 to 90 hour work weeks. His brother died. His mother was sick with cancer. And for a while, his parents moved in with us um, so that his mom could have her treatments here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And that was actually uh, such a blessing that we could have her in our house. My kids were always really close with her. Um, but it was an amazing opportunity to have her here every day with our kids that time before she died so it was a really hard time I would say during that time period our marriage probably wasn't at the center and that's mm -hmm. because we just didn't have the time or the bandwidth 
there were all these other things that were crowding in. And um, after he was done with residency and fellowship, we had to do a lot of reprioritizing with our time and our energy, and we had to work through some issues. We had to kind of talk out a bunch of things, and it was not easy. It was We'd gotten into some habits that in, in the way we dealt with one another and, and things that we thought were probably initially were helpful, but then it ended up being not helpful. For example, this is silly, but at one point in time, I was doing all of the yard work because he wasn't home. He was just never home to do it. Um, he was he was working crazy hours. And, and so once he was home more, the fact that I was doing all of this stuff, it made him feel like he wasn't adding value to, to the family, like I didn't mm-hmm. need him, which was not my intent at all, right? My intent was that that I was trying to do things to help out and put less pressure on him so he could get a little bit of extra sleep because he wasn't sleeping a ton either. And it backfired. You know, it was the exact opposite of what I was trying to communicate. And so some of those things we just had to talk through and work through. But, you know, we worked through it. And despite that being a difficult time period, one that was frankly contentious, we came through the other side of that and were stronger for it. Like I said, I am more in love with him today than I have ever been. And uh, he's fantastic. I'm really, really lucky to have him. He is pretty great. We love Jared. Jared's been practically part of our family as long as I have. So (laughs) (laughs) that is true. That is true. Yes. And I do want to say that we love and miss Dodo as well. She was an amazing Mm -hmm. woman and we feel incredibly blessed that our families have been able to engage with one another and and we miss we miss her and we miss Justin, but we're we're grateful that we get to continue to see their legacy live on through you and Jared and through your girls. They are amazing women as well. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Which I think something else that I wanted to talk about is when you're parenting adults, hard things start happening, you know your kids start to experience adult life. And with that comes heartbreaking and challenging things. And so I know that Ivy, your oldest, was diagnosed in the last couple of years with MS. And I know that has been incredibly challenging uh, and you've seen a lot of miracles, but I would love for you to talk about her getting her diagnosis, but then also how you were able to parent and, and mother her through challenging and difficult times as an, as she has now moved into adulthood. Yeah. So Ivy's senior year of high school, she started having um, numbness in her fingers and arms and in her back. And initially we thought that her backpack was too heavy because she didn't use her locker. She carried around like 75 pounds of books and laptops <laughs> and, you know, binders. So we were like, you know, oh, maybe she has a pinch nerve. Or something like that. So we got her new backpack, and sure enough, you know, the pain went away, or the the numbness went away. So, it it you know she was okay. Um, so it would come and go and come and go, and she didn't have any super serious things, but it was enough that Jared said to me, "Hey, if this happens again, I want her to come in and have an MRI because these are all symptoms of MS." And um, the like I said, it was it had been going on off and on for a while. So the the winter of her sophomore year of college, 
she came home after finals and said, my fingers are numb. And then two days later, she said, my whole arm is numb. And then two days later, she said, my other arm is numb. And then on Christmas Day, we went and saw the Mary Poppins movie. And Jared looked over and her said, said, what's wrong with your eyes? And she said, oh, I think I need new contact lenses. My, my eyes are really fuzzy. But then a day later, she was completely cross-eyed. So, so we knew something was very, very wrong. So the next day, Jared took her into the hospital with him, and she had an MRI. His concern was that it was either MS or it was a brain tumor. So, you know, actually MS was, we were relieved to find out that she had MS instead of a brain tumor. But it was devastating. It was devastating for her. She was 19 years old and was being told that she had, you know, a chronic illness that would hamper her life, you know, for her entire life. So they gave her a bunch of steroids, and the steroids helped to calm your immune system down and stop you from having a flare. But in her case, it didn't quite do the trick. Her vision was still bad for a while. So that was in December, uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, which is also a horrible time to get a diagnosis like that because you can't get in to see a doctor. Everybody's on vacation. Um, So she went back out to Provo to go back to school, and Jared went out there with her a week later. They took her to see a neurologist in Salt Lake and got her, you know, kind of set her up for the, the, the medicine that she would be taking. Um, and in the meantime, Jared started doing some research and found a doctor at Northwestern, which is, you know, in, in Chicago, where, where we are. And he was doing stem cell transplants, so intensive chemotherapy and then hematopoietic autologous stem cell transplants, which means it was going to be, it would, it would be your own stem cells in order to treat the MS. And so basically the idea with that is they give you a bunch of chemotherapy, and that chemotherapy kills your immune system. And then after that, they give you the stem cell transplant just to recover your immune system quickly. The stem cell transplant is actually not the therapy. The therapy is the chemotherapy. So the chemotherapy is there to kill your immune system and reboot it. So it's like hitting Control-Alt-Delete on your immune system in the hope that when it reboots, your body won't attack its own, its own myelin again. So we started looking at that, and um, this is a very long story, so I'll make it short. In the end, we got her accepted into that program. So in July of 2019, she had intensive chemotherapy and a stem cell transplant. She was in the hospital for about 15 days and then was home for about a month, pretty sick, uh, recovering after that. But she is doing great now. So she has not had any flares. She is free of MS symptoms right now. She's had no progression of her disease, and all of her existing um, issues have been resolved. So her vision is back to normal, and her numbness is gone. And we hope that the stem cell transplant will work to keep her MS-free for a very, very long time. And there are people who are, who've had, you know, had stem cell transplants 15, 20 years ago who are still free of MS. Um, it's not a cure, but it's considered a long-term uh, treatment therapy, and so some people are seeing really long-term results for it. Sorry, that was a really long introduction to her issue, but it was hard. You know, it was really hard, and, you know, everything was very much up in the air, and it's still up in the air for her. You know, she still has a chronic illness that could come back at any time. She still has the possibility of, you know, bad bad uh, outcomes. Medicine has dramatically advanced, and so People have much better outcomes with MS than they had in past years, and we caught hers very, very early. So we're hopeful that she has the best possible outcome, but it's scary. You know, it's really scary. The good news is that Ivy is, she's a pretty uniquely bright and positive person. 
who mm-hmm. has able been able to handle challenges in her life, they affect her, but she is able to sort of just move on, right? To keep on going with a great deal of poise and grace and also with like reaching out to other people and helping them at the same time. And, you know, I don't know, like, it's not like I did anything really spectacular in parenting in that, you know, Jared really did the heavy lifting during that time period. Um, I just showed up every day and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's, <laughs> that's enough, you know, oh, you just for show sure. up every day. Yeah. You yeah. added the love. The love is the secret yeah. ingredient. Yeah. Yeah. For well, sure. Yeah. I think that's the key is that with the world that we live in, I think it's difficult to be present in our children's lives. There's a lot of distractions. I know on a daily basis, I have to recommit to putting my phone down so that Sawyer's not staring at a phone that's in front of my face all day. And so I think being present and showing up for our kids is exactly what they need. And that's what turns them into the adults that they are, that are successful and compassionate and are resilient. Yeah, for sure. And unless you think that I'm like <laughs> the perfect parent at showing up, if you had my children on this podcast, they would be telling you. <laughs> it is not actually my strong point because because they, they joke well they joke that like you know they would be like mom the house is burning down mom the kitchen's on fire mom 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 and I would just ignore them um <laughs> but that I in my defense I am um <laughs> I concentrate deeply on the things that I'm doing and, you know, sometimes kids want your attention despite the fact that you're doing something. So I'd be like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'll help you in a minute. I'll help you in a minute. Right? And, you know, so that that is a joke. But also that's definitely part of my personality too is that I like single-minded in doing whatever I'm doing and I can ignore everything else that's going on in my life. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, not always the best at that either. But, you know, <laughs> but I try. All of the best people I know are always going to wrestle with their inadequacies and we all do that and it's fine. We're all just trying to do the best that we exactly. can. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. One of the other things that you kind of mentioned earlier, joked about how you're still doing homework even though your kids have flown the nest, but I thought it was interesting that our dad was talking last week as well that when you reach an empty nest, like don't think that your parenting job is over, but to keep a reserve because you know you're going to need it. And so I'm curious in what ways have you been able to maintain a boundary of being there and showing up for your kids when they need you while also allowing them that autonomy? Yeah, well, I think for sure it's about letting them ask, right? So, you know, they know that I'm available, but they have to ask for it. So, And I offer, you know, if my kids are stressed out for something, I'll say, you know what, if you're super stressed out about that, send it on over. I'll take a look at it, you know. But also, I try to let them ask for what they're looking for, you know. And my kids are pretty good about that. That that is one thing. They're they're great communicators. So, um, yeah. That's the thing. Like, there are other kids out there who are different, right? Like, my my kids are, you know, unique. And I know that there are a lot of parents out there who – they struggle to sort of connect with their kids after they leave the house and or know how to help them because their kids aren't communicating with them. 
And, and I think that's the really, really tricky part is trying to figure out how to be there for them when you know they're struggling sometimes without stepping on their toes and allowing them to create and develop autonomy because kids need that sometimes, right? They, they need to know that they can do it on their own, that they can stand on their own two feet and that they, they can make their own decisions. The good news is that Jared's really good about that too, about encouraging our kids to make their own choices. In fact, he says that to them all the time. Like, well, you're at college. You can do whatever you want. You can just ignore everything we're saying. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and um, we, I think we have a nice balance in that. You know, I'm a little bit more of the tiger mom and he is definitely way more laid back when it comes to like sort of, you know, the kids stuff, you know? So he's like, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. And I think that creates a nice little balance for them. But yeah, he is, he always says that to them. Like, you know what, if, you, if you're not going to do it, it's fine. You're away at school. No one's going to know. You know, if you want to stay up till five in the morning, fine. Stay out till five in the morning. No one is going to know. You can do anything you want because you're at college, right? Yeah. I think I think that's nice that they, that they know. I mean, yes, we say don't be stupid. Don't stay out till five in the morning every single night. You will literally fail all your classes. But at the same time, like, it's what college is about, right? And, and I, we do and try to encourage that to a certain extent about having the full college experience to that for them, you know? Like, you know, we're like, yeah, you should definitely date a 50 billion people and you should definitely <laughs> have, you know, you should go out and do tons of stuff and you should, you know, you should go to five parties the week of Halloween. That's what you should do your freshman year of college. You should do all of those things because it's about having that experience. So, and yes, you should go do study abroad and yes, you should go do this and yes, you should go do that. Right. So we, we try to encourage our kids to have that full range of experience too. So good and bad, right. Cause it's also about having that experience. There's, there's a time to be an idiot. That time is when you're 19 and 20 years old. So go be an idiot right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your window is closing. <laughs> right. Right. It's true, though. I mean, when you have this expectation for kids to do, you know, to be perfect their entire lives, I I think that you do them a little bit of a disservice. Like, go be dumb. Go do all the dumb things right now. I mean, within reason. I don't want them doing really dumb things. We don't want them doing unsafe things, right, or things that are going to affect the way they feel about themselves or that are going to hurt their relationship with others or their relationship to God, right? That's not what I'm talking about. But, you know, go have some fun. This is the time. Yeah, but avoid trauma, but create experiences. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, Mattia, last question. What advice would you give other parents who are parenting adult children or are becoming empty nesters? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, empty nesters, I would say my, my best advice is if you're, as a woman in particular, is if you're worried about who it is that you're supposed to be, stop worrying about it, right? Like take a few deep breaths and just be in the moment because doors will open and you will walk through them, right? So I, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out my next step, right? And I also, I think I was trying to balance this idea of achievement as well. I've always been kind of competitive and high achieving, right? And so I felt like mm-hmm. I needed to have these markers of things that I had achieved in my life 
And I would say that's still very much a big pull for me. So there is part of me that thinks that I need to go back to school. You know, I need to have some sort of advanced degree. I need to be some sort of awesome professional, right? Like there is this drive to do that. But at the same time, I'm trying to balance that with the life I want to live, right? And yeah. and I'm not sure that the life I want to live is that life, right? Because if you decide to go back to school and like, you know, go be a lawyer or go be a doctor or go be that thing, right? Whatever that is, that's going to change the life that you're living. And, and I'm not sure that I want to do that. And so, so I, I felt all this drive to like either be something or be somewhere or be doing something instead of just living in that moment. And so that's my advice is just to slow it down a little bit, like quit freaking out about it because it always works out. Right. Like, I don't think that you should not be intentional about the things that you want. If, if your goal is I want to go back to school, I want to become a lawyer, I want to become a doctor or whatever, like more power to you. Go do that thing. Be intentional and 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 have the life that you want to live. But also, if you're like running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to, to figure out what it is that you're supposed to do next, like that is not that great right it, it adds no value to your life it doesn't right. make you happier it doesn't push you in any direction it doesn't create the life that you want right so so I think just a few deep breaths is a great is, is my best advice um I think that's even advice, good advice for people who are empty nesters like as you're talking yeah. I'm like I just need to enjoy the moment and be okay and be intentional about the things that I want to do but not stress to your point about this next achievement, because I feel like similarly, that's how I've lived my life where it's like, okay, let me, that next step, that next natural progression in my life, that's, I'm always waiting for that next thing. Right. And, and it, it comes at the cost of not enjoying the moment you're in. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was the first thing. And then advice to parent or parenting adults. Yeah. I don't know about that one. Um, I think just, talk to them, right? Because that's the thing is that they're adults, right? So they have, they are fully formed people with all their own, their own personality, their own thoughts, their own choices, right? And they're no longer a reflection of you. It's not about the parenting job that you're doing. They are, they are just people, right? And so I think talking to them and letting them make their choices. And also, I think having a little bit of faith in the fact that um, even if they make bad choices, <laughs> that it, it, the story's not over, right? And I, I think sometimes that we worry about teenagers and young adults sort of screwing up their lives, and that's a real fear. Like, I, I'm not saying that shouldn't be a real fear, but also they're going to do it. They're going to make the choices they're going to make no matter what you do as a parent, right? You're, you've already done all the work, right? Like everything you do, good or bad, has already been done by the time, by the time they're 20 years old, right? So, so I, think, I think the only thing you can do is develop that relationship with them so that you can be there to help them and or to have some input in their life, right? It, without that relationship, you get, you get no say, or, or at least they – not that you get a say anyway, but, but at least you get to provide input, right? And they speak right. your input. So, yeah, I think that's my only advice is just build a relationship. And start young. You, you, got, you finally get to be friends with your kids when they're young adults. Like, you know, they say don't be friends with your teenagers. <laughs> when they're young adults, it's, it's your job to be their friend. Yeah. Well, we have lots to look forward to in our motherhood journey, Kara. 
Yeah, you just have do. to make it Honestly. through. <laughs> but like, I'm just worried about feeding part. my kids. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> like keeping them alive when they're young, that's really the goal. And then and you have you have different stresses stressors at each step of the way, but they're yeah. so fun as they get older. So much fun. I'll say this. When I was talking to Kara about starting this podcast, I had really unique impressions. One of them was that it was for me. It was to start the podcast was to give me an outlet of creativity to create fulfillment in my own life. The second part was to help other people who might gain something from from what we have to say. But the last impression I got was that this was a way for me to connect and for Kara and I to connect with our sisters. And this has been incredibly fulfilling to talk with my sisters and to hear their stories, to commiserate with them when they're going through hard things, to buoy them up, to laugh with them. It's been really enjoyable. So thank you so much, Mattia, for coming on, for sharing your experiences with us. It's It's been really awesome. Well, thanks for inviting me. I feel like I, I'm part of the cool kids crowd now that I get the old lady gets to come hang out with the No, <laughs> with you're so cool. Kids. I know. You've I'm just been sure waiting cooler than I am. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you're so hip. Out, yeah. house of, out of the mouth of babes story you ready okay. for it yes yes so we are excited well, for okay. our favorite part of the episode which is our stories on this came out of the mouth of my babe Mattia please share okay so um although my children still say hilarious things most of what they say now is totally inappropriate so I will not share any of them. <laughs> <laughs> instead I will share a story of um when when my kids were younger so um, when Mazzy was in, I want to say she was in third grade, they had to write a, a fable, right? So they had been reading fables in their class, and so they had to write their own fable. And it had to be a story about, like, animals, and then it had to have, um, it had to have a, a, a theme or a the moral. So Mazzy tells me this whole story that she's going to write. And um, the story is that there's these monkeys and then there's this hippopotamus and hip, the hippopotamus used to be really, really skinny. And she was like so beautiful. And she would every day in the jungle, she would like show off how beautiful and skinny she was. And she'd like, you know, just like prance around and all the monkeys, she was mean to the monkeys all the time. And she'd just like yell at them and say <laughs> mean things to them. And the monkeys were like that hippo. She is so full of herself. And she's just like, she thinks she's the skinniest you know, most beautiful of all the jungle. And so what they did was they took the, um, the hippos um, drink and they full, filled it full of like a high calorie protein drink. Cause you know, that's what hippos <laughs> drink. <laughs> so the hippo starts drinking her, her drink and doesn't realize that she's drinking this high calorie drink. And pretty soon the hippo gets pretty fat and she is like, Oh my gosh, what has happened to me? So I asked Mazzy, I'm like, so, so Mazzy, what's the moral of this story? And she looks at me and says, don't mess with monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's the moral of the story. 
Don't it also sounds it also sounds like a twisted version of the plot of Mean Girls. Mean Girls, totally. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Don't be yes, a Regina yes. George. Oh, yes. Well, hilarious. you know, Mazzy, if Mazzy doesn't become a doctor like she's planning to be, she has, you know, a solid chance of making it big and writing movie scripts. Oh <laughs> She is so witty. The things she says, uh, like, will leave you in stitches. You're like, where did you come up with that? You are so quick-witted. And she's so funny. Her timing is, is pretty impeccable. She is. It is. It's funny because, like, so Jared has incredible wit and timing and speed. And we figured out that Mazzy was that funny when she was, like, I don't know, seven, eight years old. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe there is, like, this little girl who is so funny. You know, she's just like her dad. Cracking up. Delightful, these kids. They're delightful. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of my delightful child, I was, I'm going to tell two, because it's there. So today, Gavin, we were in the car, and I took him to the doctor on the way. He just blurted out, ugh, I just want to be an inventor. An inventor. I want to invent something. I'm like, what? Invent. Invent. What do you want to invent? He says, I want to invent a parachute and a gun. I'm like, okay. (laughs) That's great. And then I. The best part is the way he says it invent. Invent. Yeah. Yeah. He's blessed his little speech impediment. But I was just thinking, since Matias here, like a year ago, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Gavin says, Mom, when I'm in college, I'm going to go to college in Chicago and I'm going to eat Chicago style pizza every day and live with Auntie Tia. Auntie Matia will give me Chicago style pizza every day in college. Oh, I will. I will. You tell him that <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I we called you. We like children. You can have them. <laughs> this week, Sawyer. Anytime someone sneezes, she says, Bess you, bless you. And it has been oh, so cute. cute. And so that. sometimes we even pretend to sneeze just because we want to hear her say, Bess you, bless you. <laughs> yeah. Seeing her at Thanksgiving and hearing her say, No way, no way. It was just the cutest. And I just wanted to kiss her face off. So cute. She's pretty great. Sweet, sweet baby. Well, babes, thanks so much for joining us on our episode today. And Mattia, thank you again for sharing with us your bits of wisdom and your story. And we hope to have you all join us again next week. See you later, babes. Bye.